How's everyone doing today? Good morning. Welcome to Horizon. My name is Al Salvatore, and uh, it's always a privilege to preach here at Horizon. Thanks, uh, Pastor Alex, for the opportunity. And um, we're doing a series called Wonder. And the title of today's message is, What's So Wonderful About Wonder? And I gotta be honest, when Alex was talking to me about this series about wonder, I was like, really? Do we have to do something about wonder? Do we have to get all like touchy-feely and get into our emotions and our feelings? I, like, I don't want to feel. I'm like stressed and, you know, and just like overwhelmed. I'm like, I, I, I don't want to like look at the stars and dream. It's like, I don't know. Sometimes my life feels more like a nightmare than a dream, you know? And I feel like sometimes in moments of stress, we have a hard time seeing God in creation. We have a hard time seeing the inspiration in movies, in art, in songs, in the things that we love, the things that charge our batteries. Um, Simon Sinek says this, when we work hard for something we don't believe in, it's called stress. When we work hard for something we do believe in, it's called passion. And I think sometimes our lives are in that tension of like stress and passion. You know, you could be working at a job that you love, but sometimes you can get a new boss, right? And that job that you love, all of a sudden, because of one person becomes like, oh, I gotta go to work. I gotta see them. And, right? and, you, can't even, and you know when someone really stresses you out when you can't say their name, right? You know, it's like, oh, like they're here. You know, it's not even Bob. You know, it's, it's them. And you know, we, we live in that stress, and I feel like in those moments of stress, it's hard to find the value in what we do. It's hard to find the value in, who's, in, in who others are. And even if that person, Bob, and I don't know Bob, but just say that Bob, we don't even know what's going on in, that, in Bob's life that's causing him to be like that. And so we just get stressed, we, we feel overwhelmed, and actually 20% of people in America actually love their job, 20%. So there's a lot of stressed out people out there. And I feel like even now, what's going on in our country, what's going on overseas, there's just more and more stress. And when we feel overwhelmed, we lose the wonder. That song that you hear that comes on in the car and you can't get out of your car because you have to like wait till the song ends, it's like, oh, it's just another song. You know, that movie that you love, like I love movies and movies is a way for me to kind of like recharge my batteries. It's like, oh, I don't want to feel like watching this. And my boys are like, dude, let's, let's watch Captain America. I'm like, yes, I know, Captain America saves the world. He's awesome. Yeah, 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 you know. We go through those things, so those things that we love just don't do it for us anymore. And we just kind of go through the grind and we lose the wonder. And that job that we love becomes just a job. And that marriage that we're in is no longer just about loving that person, it's just a marriage. You know, just is a funny word, right? You know, when uh, a couple years ago, when you would cough, it was just a cough. But now if you cough, it's like, ooh, you have COVID? Is that COVID? I remember when I was like, get a haircut, it was like right before like COVID really hit and like we started wearing masks and I was getting my haircut at the barber seat and I'm like coughing, right? I'm, like, <laughs> And I'm like trying so hard not to cough, and I'm like looking around like it's not—it's just allergies, guys, you know. And I feel like the, the looks, like he's got COVID. What is he doing here, you know? It was like just a cough, just a cough, you know. And it makes me think of, um, you know, I love British humor, so I don't know if you guys know about 
um, Mighty Python, but there's this scene where like the knight gets his arm cut off and he's like, oh, it's just a flesh wound. I'm like, no, it's not just a flesh wound, you know? And, you know, we look at our lives and that just, that word just is a powerful thing. You're not just a nurse, especially to someone who needs care. You're not just a grandfather, especially to someone who's never had a father. You don't just work at Comcast, especially for a grandmother who's 95 years old, who is in her bedroom, and the cable goes out, and she is stressed out. Yes, we talked about my grandma, Emma. All right, we recently had our cable go out. Let me tell you something. She loves days of our lives, you know, and those days of our lives become very long when that cable goes out. So she loves Comcast, especially when they come and fix the cable. It's not just, you're not just an employee. You're something so much more. And I just want to, and for me, you know, talking about songs, I love music. And growing up, I had a hard time finding confidence in who I was. I had an older brother who was good looking, had really good hair, and I always compared myself to him. Um, I struggled with speaking, actually stuttered growing up. Um, so it's ironic that I would be a teacher now and preach when I would stutter so much growing up. Um, and I've really just had a hard time believing in myself and having confidence. And one of the things that brought me so much confidence and so much identity was drums. Uh, my cousin Chris got a guitar, uh, his uncle's guitar, and we started jamming out in our basement to 90s grunge and, you know, Nirvana and all that good fun stuff, you know. Um, and playing the drums brought a lot of confidence. I started playing in church, and playing drums in church gave me such a sense of, like, passion, gave me such a connection to God. I used to hate singing songs. Now I love playing songs because I found my passion. They weren't just drums. It was so much more. I actually wrote a paper for my college entrance exam about being a drummer and how that changed my life. They weren't just drums. And I think we need to look at ourselves. There's so much more to who you are. There's so much more to what we see around in this world. You know, and I, I heard a statistic about when you're feeling disconnected, one of the best things that you can do is take a walk. It's amazing how just getting out of our routine and getting into God's creation, getting into nature, can just recharge our batteries. There's just something about being in God's creation. There's something about being in the midst of the world that he created, because it's not just the world. It's God's creation. You're not just a person. You are God's creation. And I love uh, Genesis 15, where God is talking to Abram, and he's telling him that he's going to be a father of nations, but he can't have kids. And this is God talking to Abraham, not at 25, but at 75. Um, so Abraham's got, Abraham's got a little bit of doubt. And then God led Abraham outside, and he said, look at the sky. There are so many stars, you can't count them. Your descendants also will be too many to count. Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord accepted Abram's faith, and that faith made him right with God. You know, I love this because Abraham traveled a lot 
God called him to a land that he did not know. So they traveled often. Like, can you imagine every time Abraham would walk outside and he'd see the stars? It would be another reminder of God's promise. Every time he's like, look, like every time he looks at himself, he, he doubts. But every time he looks at the stars, he believes. You know, I love how God gives us those little reminders to say, hey, I still believe in you. Hey, it's not over. Hey, one more round. Isn't it amazing how sometimes when you're kind of like at your wit's end, you get that text message? You know, just when you need it most, it's like, whew, man, I really need that text message. Or you read that verse and you just flip open your Bible and it's like, ooh, man, I really need to hear that. Or just whatever it is, God knows how to get to you, right? God knows the things that, that just kind of trigger you in, in a good way. And the stars were God's way of reminding Abraham, hey, don't give up. And, you know, it's interesting because God always speaks to us through many different things. You know, the, when we look at creation, there is the tree. Look at the stars. Um, the, Ab- Abraham's son, Jacob, had a dream and the cross. These are all different reminders that we have. You know, when we think about even the cross, it's so interesting when we think about the cross because something that was meant to bring death brings life. Even Jacob's dream was a reminder of God's presence. The stars were a reminder of God's promise. Even the tree of good and evil was a reminder that God gives us a choice. I love that God gives us a choice. He doesn't force us to believe. He doesn't force us to be a certain way. He gives us choice. That's what real love is all about. And his son also had this sense of being more aware to what was going on than just what he saw in the natural. Abraham's son, Jacob, woke up from his sleep and he said, God is in this place. Truly, I didn't even know it. He was terrified. He whispered in awe, incredible, wonderful, holy. This is God's house. This is the gate of heaven. I love it. God's here, and I didn't even realize it. I think that's what happens when we get stressed. It's not that, like, all of a sudden God shows up, you know? God's always there. It's just whether or not we want to acknowledge him there or not, or we slow down to see him there, or we quiet the noise of the world to hear that he's there. You know, it's always funny when people say, like, we got to go to this preacher or we got to go to this service, or we got to go to this state, or this thing, or follow this move of God. Listen, God's always moving, and God's always where you are. It's just our, our eyes open to him being there. I love that. God is in this place, and I didn't even know it. What are the places that you go that God's there that sometimes you don't even realize it? You know, I think that's why it's not just your job. But when you go there... There's God's presence that goes there. You're having an influence, and you don't even realize it. May our eyes be open to what God is doing. That tree of good and evil was not just this tree to to represent sin, but it was a choice. The promise that that Abraham saw in the stars, they were a promise, a constant reminder. And this dream that that Jacob had, that God is always there. And I love the cross, this icon, this symbol that was 
actually a murder weapon of the day. I mean, think about it. Jesus was a carpenter. So I'm sure in his youth, as he was working in his craft, he was building other crosses than his own. And so this thing that he would build would be this murder device that would be set up in public places so people can see and be shamed and be intimidated and say, hey, follow the rules because that could be you. This thing that meant death because of Jesus now means life. Like we carry this cross, people get tattoos of crosses, people get crosses on their necklaces. I loved to have my little cross necklace when I was younger, you know, I thought just like a little Italian Guido boy, got my gold cross, you know. But it'd be like hanging like an electric chair today. It'd be like hanging a gun from your neck today. And it's amazing how Jesus can just turn a negative into a positive. And he can do the same thing in your life as well. You know, you may see yourself one way, but God sees you in a whole nother light. He sees you so much more than what you see yourselves. And I think sometimes God has to change our mind, and sometimes we have to change our name. God changed Abram's name. His name, Abram, meant high father. Abraham means father of multitudes. High father, you think of like prestige, wealth. Abraham all had all those things. But now he's a father of multitudes. Sarai means princess. Sarah means mother of nations. To us, it's just, oh, just an H. You know, just place an I with an H. But in Hebrew culture whole nother meaning. Princess means it's all about you. Oh, princess, right? Oh, princess, you know? Sarah, you're a mother of nations. You're an influencer. Jacob, supplanter, someone who likes to scheme, you know? Jacob's slave from the beginning, you know, always was scheming, took his, his brother's birthright, you know? You're, oh, you're a schemer, you know? Like that kid in school that gets labeled, you know, there's always that one kid in school that kind of gets labeled, that was Jacob. Oh, I'll be such a Jacob, you know, especially when, like, that name becomes something. That was Jacob. But then God changed his name to having power with God. Whoa. In one instance, always having to have the power, that was Jacob. I'm going to put things in my hands. I'm going to make it happen. I'm the one in control. And then Israel, I'm giving God control. Totally different mindset. And then even in the New Testament, Simon, one of God's, uh, one of Jesus' disciples, um, means God has heard. And it's ironic because Simon had a big mouth. He was always talking. Yes, Simon, we know. Yes, Simon, yes. Simon, dude, just like shut up, man. Like, Jesus is talking, you know? He was that one disciple just couldn't like hold it in. You know, he'd be the one like talking during the movie, like, dude, yes, I know what's going to happen. Please, I don't know what's going to happen, you know? He was the guy who always talked. Yes, Simon, we know. We hear you, Simon. God even hears you, Simon. But then God changed his name to Peter, which means rock, stability. Someone who his whole life had no stability, no control, always letting his mouth get the best of him. And then Jesus comes along and says, no, man, you're a rock. You're different. I love this quote by Brene Brown. Let go of who you think you are supposed to be and embrace who you are. Because here's the thing. Everyone feels, everyone fails at who they're supposed to be. But when we stop trying to be perfect, I think it's when we can be good. 
And I think there's wisdom there. You know, maybe some of us here in this place have had an identity that we've been holding on to that isn't what God called us to. Maybe some of you here think you're a failure, that you messed up, that you can't outrun your past. When God says, I got a promise, I got a purpose. You know, maybe we need to, like, stop seeing the negative, unplug, and see the stars, and see what God is doing, that it's bigger than you. He's got a plan for you. Let go of who you think you are supposed to be. Let go of what you think your job is supposed to be. Let go of what you think your family is supposed to be. And embrace who God says you are. Um, Going on. God speaks to Abraham. Hey, you're going to have a child. 75. Over 20 years later, God speaks to Abraham again. Genesis 17. Which is ironic because it's like two chapters later. But in like Abram's world, it was... 25, it was like 25 years later. Now, when Abraham was 99 years old, old, not like, that's old. You thought you were old? You're not old. You're young. You are a young buck. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God the Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will establish my covenant between me and you. I will multiply you exceedingly. No longer shall your name be called Abram. But your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. The ironic thing about this verse that I really find encouraging is that God says to Abraham, be blameless after he just screwed up and had a baby with Hagar, not his wife. Huge failure, him trying to make something happen in his own way. But God doesn't say, Abraham, why'd you mess up? Abraham, why'd you do that? He didn't say why. He said, look what you can do. Look what you can become. God sees you by your end result, not by your errors. That's why God said to Abraham, be blameless, walk before me. He saw what his future was going to be, even if Abraham couldn't see it in that moment. God sees you by the end result, and it's good, and it's worth it. It's wonderful. Um, Alan Mulally is was a Ford executive, and he was hired in 2006. And in 2006, Ford was not doing good. They were actually losing billions of dollars. Not millions, billions of dollars. Get my little Dr. Evil on, you know, million, a billion, like, Bit like losing billions of dollars. And he would have these meetings with his high execs, and they would have these PowerPoints, and they would have these green slides that meant good. And all the slides that they would present were green. And he'd be watching these, these presentations like, all right, you're saying everything's good, but we're losing billions of dollars. What is going on? Like, it can't be good if we're losing billions, right? Something's not working here. And then one of the execs had the courage to stand up and say, um, because before when we present what was going on, if we had a red slide, that person would get fired. And so because of one executive who focused on the person 
and saw the person as a problem, not that they had a problem. Alan Milani said, you have a problem. You are not the problem. The, the, the executive before thought, if there was a problem, it must be you, so you got to go. No, you're not the problem. You have a problem. That's such a big difference. And he said, now let's work together to solve that problem. And Ford became the comeback company of the year. Failing billions because of one change of mindset. Instead of seeing yourself as a problem and just seeing yourself as someone who has a problem. Some of you here today, some of you guys watching online, you think you are the problem. You are not the problem. Let me say that one more time. You are not the problem. You, have, you may have a problem, but you are not the problem. And maybe for too long, someone said something to you and it just stuck. And you think, that's who you are. But you're not. Psalm 139 says this, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. You are wonderful. God doesn't make junk. And I think that's why it's so important for us to like get out into the world, to get off our computer screens, to get off our social media, and just getting itself in God's creation and see the beauty in God's creation and the wonder. Because if God can create that, look at the amazing things that God has done in your life and who you are. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are not an accident. You are not a screw-up. You are not a problem. God sees wonder in you. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 from the Message Translation says this. If you only look at us, you might well miss the brightness. We carry this precious message around in unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. That's to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. As it is, there's not much a chance of that. You know yourselves that we're not much to look at. We've been surrounded and battered by troubles. We're not, de- but we're not demoralized. We're not sure what to do, but we know that God knows what to do. Let me, let me read that again. We've been surrounded and battered by troubles, but we're not demoralized. We're not sure what to do, but we know that God knows what to do. We've been spiritually terrorized, but God hasn't left our side. Yo, if there's anyone here, watch online, that's been hurt by a church, don't let a Christian make you lose your love, make, make you lose your faith in God. That was a Christian. That wasn't Christ. There's a big difference there. All right, and sometimes the biggest hurts come from church. I don't know why that is, but I think maybe because like we don't see it coming sometimes. Like, man, they're supposed to be loving. Why are they such a jerk? You know, like, man, this church was supposed to be here for me. Like, why are they not? You know, the biggest wounds I think come from churches. We've been thrown down, but we haven't been broken. While we're going through the worst, you're getting in on the best. May we not miss the brightness. You know, this verse speaks to me, this whole idea of like being spiritually terrorized because 
Um, I'm a teacher now, but for a number of years I was pastor. And being pastor can be great sometimes, but being pastor can really suck sometimes. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. When I was in Bible college and I was talking with my pastor and um, I was apprehensive about going into the ministry, and I was like, I'm, I'm afraid of getting hurt. He's like, oh, by, like, non-Christians, right? I'm like, no, I'm afraid of getting hurt by Christians. <laughs> like, I'm cool with non-Christians, and, but, like, there's, like, I'm, I'm, like, it's the Christians that worry me. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened to me in ministry. Like, there would be times when I would be slandered, lied about, um, pastors that would get, like, really competitive, and um, there's times when we just got into really difficult situations, exploited, you know, I remember being hired by one pastor, and the Sunday morning he introduces, like, we got this couple for a bargain, and I'm like, what? I'm like, oh, okay, I'm a, I'm, I'm a bargain, all right, you know, no one wants to be a bargain, you know, that's not finding worthy, it's not finding wonder, you can't find wonder in a bargain, you know, you find a deal, um, and you know, for a lot of time, for many years, I would just take all those hurts and just take them on, take them on, internalize them, and it got really hard to be in church. It got really hard to read the Bible. It got really hard just to, like, believe. And um, this past year, in fifth grade, I was reading The Outsiders with my class. And it's a story, if you don't know, it's a movie, too, about the haves and the have-nots. There's this group called the socias, and they're like the elite, the social elite, the wealthy, and then there's the greasers who are kind of like, you know, the, like, the dregs of society, like the have-nots. And the whole book is about, like, perceptions and about being more than who you are. And there's this scene where the greasers, the have-nots, save these kids from this burning church and it becomes a big deal, becomes newsworthy. And one of the kids that saved them, spoiler alert, his name's Johnny, and he loves sunsets. He found gold in sunsets. He's always telling, like, stay gold. Find the good in this world. There's good in this world. Even though people say we're bad, we're a greaser, there's good in this world. And he was telling his friend that, like, even though he went to save those kids, and it, he got badly hurt, actually cost him his life. And he wrote this poem. He wrote this, this note to his friend. He's like, stay gold. It was worth it to save those kids. And when I was reading that with my class, it really hit me because sometimes the things that we go through life can be really, really hard. And you feel like, why did I go through that? Was it worth it? And like reading that with my, like my class, it was just like, you know what? Even though there was a lot of crappy things that we went through in ministry and there's a lot of negative things, there's a lot of positive things too. There was a lot of families that we had an impact on. There's a lot of families that had an impact on us. There was a lot of good that took place. And I'm um, actually got a tattoo that says stay gold um, as a reminder to myself that even when the world looks like it's negative, um, there's so much more. There's so much more to be found. And a number of years ago, when we were out of youth ministry, I got an email from one of my youth, from one of my students. And this youth, her name, like, uh, um, she had a troubled life. Troubled life. 
um, her, her dad actually owns a strip club and a neighborhood uh, friend from the church would take her to church and um, she would be the student that when we go to retreat to go to like to hear the speaker and, and go to these like these spiritual youth retreats she'd be the one like leaving the services because it was like too much for her you know she'd be the one and people in the church would actually talk about her which is messed up to think adults talking about a young person like just to give you an idea of what was going on with this with this girl's life and so many years later when we were out of youth ministry we left that church um never knew like never raised her hand during a message never had one of those like come to jesus moments you know what i'm talking about you know i always like it, you just on the surface you never knew that god was doing something years later we got this email i'm gonna read it to you hey pastor Al. how are you and marissa doing um i'll change your name hey this is anna from pinchot well, not anymore. I haven't had much time lately, but I'm taking the time to catch up with you guys. So how have you been? I've been busy attending HACC York, Harrisburg Community College, taking 16 credits, anxiously waiting for the acceptance letter from Messiah College. Cross your fingers. I'm currently majoring in FCF, which is family and consumer science and education. I'd like to be a teacher. If you don't know what an FCF teacher is, it's a home ec plus more. Child development, human relations, nutrition, cooking, housing, and so much more. My first semester here, if you lost track of time, I graduated. It was awesome. But I have a lot of work. I did six to seven hours of homework each night, Monday through Thursday. It was crazy, and it ended up with a four- Oh. This semester is not going to be so time consuming, but I have a statistics class, and the teacher is horrible. I think on the end with a B, maybe. It has been so long since I talked to you guys. Totally different than when you knew me last. I turned my life around. I was saved back in June, and I've been heading down the right path ever since. It was all thanks to Paul and his dedication to me, working with him, repainting a fire escape in 100-degree weather. And we went outside to the empty apartment, and we were working outside, and the rest is history. That day on, I was changed. Finding God while working on an apartment. Presence, right? Here's God. Didn't even realize it all along. I'd like to catch up with you guys. <sighs> Yeah, I go over to their house the weekend and live with them throughout the summer. Oh, by the way, I'm taking a Spanish class. <laughs> and currently, I have an A. Thanks, Marissa. Well, hey, I look forward to your reply. I hope you guys are doing well. You know, it's interesting. When she wrote me this email, she was going to school to be a teacher. And now, she is a teacher. It's amazing. You just never know. You never know what God's doing behind the scenes. May we find the wonder in this beautiful, messy world that we find ourselves in. And if Marissa can come, the team can come. And I, I want to leave you guys one, one last quote. You know, read these verses, hear these stories, 
like, all right, I'm supposed to be this bright, like, find the brightness in God and be a person of light and find wonder and, 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 and this world of worry and all these kinds of things. And I love this, this last quote by Anne Lamont. She says, almost everything will work again if you unplug it for a few minutes, including you. You know, it's interesting, like, trying to work with, you know, the cable company to get um, the cable working at my parents' house. The first thing they said is, well, did you unplug your router? Did you, 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 you unplug it? It's like the first thing they always ask. You might need to unplug it and plug it back in again. Maybe you can, all right, if you can't afford it, maybe just go in a little bit later, all right, you know. 